Glory, glory, Sacramento. Hello and welcome to the 916 Republic Podcast. I'm your host, Nolan. Today, I have a very special episode to queue up for you guys. We had on the show Alicia Rodriguez, the primary contributor to the SB Nation site for the Sacramento Republic called Indomitable City Soccer. Alicia is a reporter and editor covering many California sports for SB Nation. Uh, We talked with Alicia um, back in March or April, right when the whole COVID shutdown happened, um, to catch up, talk about her work covering professional soccer in California, um, and to get her thoughts on Sacramento. And it was great to reconnect with Alicia again today. Um, In today's show, we uh, first just caught up with Alicia as a person, asked uh, what else she's been up to um, since we last spoke. Then we got right into a brief discussion of the MLS Cup final um, and then moved along. Uh, Alicia was kind enough to give us a, a brief update on both like the state of each MLS club as an organization in the state of California and also um, what's happening on the pitch with the players, tactics, coach-wise for each of San Jose, LAFC, and the LA Galaxy. Um, and then finally, we moved on to talk about Sacramento's postseason activities so far. Um, so that was a really uh, great interview, great discussion. I learned a lot about um, LA Galaxy um, and the MLS clubs that I personally don't follow as a fan, and um, I don't love MLS as in, as a league, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm learning to love it more. Um, so it was really great to talk uh, with Alicia about um, those teams. And then finally, we end the episode with a great story about uh, Mark Briggs. Um, so do if you listen to anything, do skip to the end, the last five minutes, and listen to um, to a story that Alicia had with about an interaction she had with uh, with Mark Briggs. Because that's a maybe you guys won't find it that funny, but I know I thought it was funny. Scott and Zach thought it was funny um, when it happened. So do listen to that. Um, and yeah, oh, the reason so Scott and Zach were not on the episode. It was just me. Um, Scott's about to have a baby. Zach has a girlfriend, as we all talked about on the last episode. So yeah, that's that. Um, yeah, that's it. And without further ado, uh, we will get into the interview with Alicia Rodriguez. All right. And we are here with Alicia Rodriguez, the a reporter and editor uh, currently covering California sports for SB Nation. Uh, many of our listeners will know you, Alicia, because you are the primary contributor to the Indomitable City Soccer site, um, which covers the Sacramento Republic exclusively. Um, and Alicia, last time we talked, you uh, mentioned that you were, in addition to covering the Republic, you've been covering the LA Galaxy, LAFC, the San Jose Earthquakes, uh, and also making contributions to the SB Nation LA Clippers site. Um, so obviously you just had a ton of time on your hands. So, um, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> but yeah. What, uh, what have you been up to since we last talked, um, any new developments for you or, uh, are you, are you still covering those teams? Yeah. Has anything changed since we last spoke? Hi, uh, thanks for having me on. First of all, Hi. um, I, yeah, when I, when I talked to you guys last time I was, 
just getting into this new job and happily I'm still at the, the same job uh, <laughs> you know, in 2020. That's no guarantee. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still covering the um, MLS teams in California, obviously Sac Republic. Uh, this was my first year on the beat uh, here. And then um, I also did some other USL championship coverage with uh, LA Galaxy 2 and Orange County SC thrown in along the way. So I, I got to see groups A and B uh, of the season a lot, yeah. um, a lot, a lot. And then, um, yeah, I mean, basically the, the big the big change since the last time I talked to you guys was I wrote like uh, somewhere around 100 uh, recaps. So uh, yeah, it was, it's been a, it's been a busy year, but uh, like I said, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to still be employed. And um, I, I had a really fun time, uh, you know, covering these teams this year and uh, in particular Sac Republic. I, I really enjoyed uh, covering the team, getting to know them a little bit better and, and sort of writing about them on a daily basis. So uh, it, it was a lot of fun, um, you know, even in very trying circumstances for, for all of us. Definitely. Definitely. I found, uh, yeah, like the Republic was in games resuming and um, activity around the club was a nice break from some of the craziness that was going on this year for me. And um, so glad to hear that, that you found some joy covering the Republic as well. Um, we'll get into Sacramento exclusively related stuff in a minute. Um, but first, you write a lot about MLS. I know that there were no California MLS teams in the MLS Cup final, but it just happened this past Saturday. We are recording on a Monday um, and you are kind of an MLS expert. Um, there was a lot going on with this game. What were your thoughts? What were your thoughts? What were your takeaways? Were you surprised that Columbus pulled off a three nil victory? Um, yeah. What were your, what were your thoughts from the game? And yeah, that's my question. Yeah, I was certainly surprised uh, by the result. Um, not that I didn't think Columbus could do it. I mean, obviously they had been a strong team throughout the season. And I think uh, in particular at the MLS's back tournament, they looked like the favorites until they got knocked out. So, you know, they'd always been a, a team that had uh, some potential for sure. Um, I just thought that Seattle had been so dominant this season um, that it was hard to see past them. I, I think that they really were the best team overall during the season. And um, I know they didn't win the Supporter Shield and obviously they didn't win MLS Cup, but um, I got to see a lot of Seattle this year. And, and for my money, I think they put together probably the most dominant performances against a pretty stacked uh, slate of teams to have to play, you know, every three or four days. But um, I think in this particular game, it came down to, uh, Columbus's stars showed up and, and Seattle's really didn't, um, you know, it, I, I know it sounds simplistic, but yeah. Lucas El Ryan, he scored two fantastic goals. All three goals were really outstanding <laughs> by the crew. I mean, really kind of what you w- would hope for in a showpiece, um, occasion like MLS cup. I mean, they really were outstanding goals. He scored two of them. And then, uh, for Seattle, Nicolas Ladero, you know, I thought he was MVP of the league and, and he had maybe his worst game or, or one of his worst games of the year. And um, yeah. it was just a matter of, you know, in the big moment, like who's going to show up and perform. And and on this one, it was it was Columbus. And um, I think they just really came flying out of the traps in the first half and they they stunned uh, Seattle so that by the time, you know, it got to halftime. I mean, the game was basically already over. So, um, yeah. Yeah, huge, huge news for for Columbus, and I think 
the overall narrative um, for them surrounding almost losing their team a couple years ago, fighting to keep it uh, when it looked like they had no chance of, of staying in Columbus. And then just a couple of years later, turning everything around and, and winning MLS Cup at home. Uh, that's a pretty sweet story and, uh, you know, kind of a nice uh, capper on on a very weird 2020. Yeah, definitely. Def, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, and a little something that came to my mind after kind of being surprised that Columbus uh, won the won the game, um, especially with uh, certain key players out of the team for various reasons. Uh, there was a 19-year-old midfielder that stepped in and played the full 90 minutes, Aiden Morris. There's been a lot of talk about him and like how it, this was very exciting. But my mind as a kind of biased Sacramento Republic fan was like, oh my goodness, Dennis Sanchez is the academy director at the Republic, but he used to work for the crew. And like, is this the start of something great for Sacramento Republic? Like, uh, is there, you know, in three years, can we see an, an academy player starting an MLS Cup final or, you know, crazy stuff like that. But um, what do you what do you think about in your experience with MLS and maybe academy directors moving around? Is there a like a path of success that follows the the manager or the academy directors? Or do you think this might just be a cool coincidence, but maybe not? a huge impact for the Republic. Oh, I think uh, the people in charge make a huge difference when it, especially when it comes to youth development, um, you know, from Academy directors to uh, Academy team coaches, you know, there's a huge difference between a team kind of um, idly taking a look at the players in their, their local markets and seeing who's, you know, maybe they can invite, to into their programs and, you know, sort of let nature take its course versus those who are really aggressive, uh, those who are recruiting players from outside um, local areas, those who are making sure that they have the best uh, local players to, um, you know, trying to, to keep the academy coaches happy so that they can uh, stick around and they don't go elsewhere themselves. I mean, I think there's a, there's a huge role to play. And I think we've seen so far in this, uh, era of homegrowns, the experiment that's gone on, you can see programs in which uh, not only do they take investing in the academy seriously um, and that having that pay off, but also having the other half of it, which is you sign some homegrowns, that's great. Are you going to play them? Are you going to continue to develop their talent uh, once they become adults or once they become professionals? Um, and we're seeing some teams uh, do half of that and some teams uh, do all of it and um, it really makes a big difference. So yeah, I think I think that's a pretty astute observation that um, you know the the Columbus they're getting some some real uh, results from their youth ranks and that could bode well for Sacramento Republic. And I think we saw that a little bit this year already with uh, Hayden Sargis um, emerging. I mean he had a fantastic season so uh, that's that's kind of the ideal that you want uh, moving forward is to get a guy or two like that every couple years. Um, you know, ideally you'd like to have some starters coming through, but it's a good start, I think, for Sac Republic and something to be excited about for the future. Definitely, definitely a, a good a good news, at least for me with, uh, yeah, with the Republic. Um, and awesome. So moving on from 
from the MLS Cup final, but not moving away from MLS completely. Um, Alicia, you cover all of the MLS California teams. Um, I was hoping you would be able to just briefly catch us up on each. So Sacramento fans, you know, we kind of have, we're in this awkward place. We're like, okay, we care about the USL, but we also want to know what's going on in MLS and what our, uh, you know, homes, our home state rivals are doing as well. Um, can you just catch us up on uh, maybe the both like on the field and off the field positions and, and feel of both of San Jose, LAFC and LA Galaxy? So sure. maybe let's, let's start with San Jose. Tell, yeah. tell us about tell us about them. Yeah. So the Earthquakes, um, I think, had a pretty positive season overall. Um, they started out poorly and then they uh, turned it on at the MLS's back tournament. They made it to the quarterfinals, which I think was a good uh, showing for them. Um, and then they started restarted the season and they were terrible. They went eight games <laughs> without winning. It looked like maybe Matias Almeida, their head coach, was on the chopping block. He wasn't. Um, and remarkably, he ended up turning the season around for them. Um, basically, they they changed goalkeepers and like doubled down on their pretty chaotic style of play. And uh, incredibly, I don't think many people really believe that they could do it, but they did it. They turned it around and ended up making the playoffs. And um, they took Sporting KC to penalties. Um, they were the eighth seed and, and Sporting was the, the number one seed. So they were on the road and they were kind of the biggest underdog uh, in the Western Conference. I mean, honestly, on the balance of play, I think they should have advanced. Um, and some of the teams that advanced, I don't think played as well as San Jose. So it's one of those where, you know, the result doesn't look great. Like they just made it to the playoffs and then they got knocked out in the first game. But I think given the the talent uh, imbalance that they had and, and the fact that they struggled so much of the season, um, making the playoffs in the first place is a big deal. Uh, they consider it progress. And then... Um, you know, really pushing the top seed in the West to the brink, um, I think was, was a really great performance and, you know, something they can build on. And I think the plan is for them to build on it for next year. And I think it's a, a pretty intriguing time uh, to cover the Quakes because uh, that team really believes in their coach. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how far he can take them moving forward. Definitely. How And just as a follow-up on the regarding San Jose, How's Tommy Thompson doing? I saw you wrote a piece about him. He gave like part of that turnaround from being terrible to making the playoffs and taking Sporting KC to penalties was like Tommy Thompson giving it a team talk. Um, and he's a Sacramento. He he was on loan in Sacramento for a couple of years. Right. Uh, yeah. What uh, what's going on with him right now? Yeah. So Tommy Thompson just signed a contract extension, so he'll be staying in Sa- San Jose for. I don't know, an indeterminate number of years, but uh, for a while. Um, And they just traded away Nick Lima, the starting right back. So there's a pretty decent chance that uh, Tommy will be the starting right back next year for San Jose, um, which is pretty interesting because I don't think uh, when he was playing with Sacramento, you necessarily thought of him (laughs) as a a fullback. But um, I I think it's suited his skills set pretty well. You know, he was always a player who was really, really good technically, but he didn't really have a lot of uh, final product as far as goals and assists. So yeah. moving him back and, and still having that outstanding footwork and a really good work rate, I think is, has paid off pretty well. Um, I still think he's got some work to do in, in developing as a defender, but um, it's still pretty promising. And yeah, he's, he's one of those guys that, um, 
you know, he was one of the first to sort of be like, oh, I, I believe in what Matthias is doing, you know, like I'm all in. And uh, it's almost like a maniacal, uh, you know, devotion to their manager. But I think that's how they had to perform in order to, to kind of beat the odds. And, you know, again, I don't think with the roster that they had overall, you would necessarily say, oh, they're definitely a playoff team. I think most people thought they would be uh, towards the bottom, um, you know, and, and lucky if they were actually competing for a playoff spot. Um, they really didn't make any changes last season. They made one change, one major change in their uh, roster. So, um, but they did it, you know, they got better and, and uh, he is energized and excited and uh, he's, he's just a, you know, a really um, enthusiastic person to talk to. So when you, whatever you talk to him, he, he just has this, this kind of sunny vibe. Um, even if he's talking about something serious, he still has this, this really uh, positive outlook and, and, um, yeah, it's great to talk to him. And, and I think, uh, the contract extension is, is a good reward for the plays put in. Wow. That's awesome. Um, well, moving down South, let's talk about LAFC. So they made the playoffs like San Jose. Um, but maybe that wasn't quite as exciting of a result for their fan base as it might've been for San Jose fans. Um, yeah. What's, what's the state of LAFC right now? Yeah, I think you're, uh, exactly right about kind of the outlook for LAFC this season. Um, I think big things were expected of them coming into the year um, and they didn't really uh, fulfill those expectations. Um, I think the disruptions in the season cost them more than just about anyone. And and also the, the fixture congestion was just really rough on them. They had a, more injuries than they had last year when they won the supporter shield. So obviously you can't predict injuries and, um, but they happen. And, you know, last year they were healthy and this year they, they weren't as healthy and, and that hurt. Um, but they just didn't have a level of consistency that they have shown in the past. And, and I think that was pretty disappointing. Uh, Carlos Vela missed uh, about three months uh, plus the MLS is back tournament. So really he missed like the vast majority of the games yeah. this season and, and to miss your, uh, the reigning MLS MVP, uh, that hurts. <laughs> no, no yeah. doubt about it. And uh, yeah, so it was a, a tricky year. I think uh, among the positives, Diego Rossi uh, was fantastic. He won the MLS Golden Boot, uh, Young Player of the Year. Uh, I think he finished second in MVP voting, which I was a little bit surprised about. But uh, you know, for my money, he was the best player uh, for LAFC this year. So that was a nice recognition. Um, they got bounced out of the playoffs by the Seattle Sounders, which was probably the one team they really didn't want to face. And of course, that's who they ended up matched up against. So the inconsistency uh, during the season uh, cost them in that respect. I think if they had played pretty much any other team, they probably would have liked their chances a little bit better, but the Sounders just worked them over. Um, and, and they were missing uh, Rossi. And, well, they were missing like up to four starters in that game too because of uh, positive COVID tests. So yeah. I don't necessarily know that they would have completely flipped the result, but obviously if you're missing like your best player on the season – and a few other guys who are pretty important, then, you know, that hurts your chances for sure. So that, that didn't help them. Um, the only thing that is kind of hanging in the balance is um, LAFC still aren't done with their season. In fact, they yeah. are going to be playing in the CONCACAF Champions League this this week um, after a nine-month layoff. They're going to be playing against Cruz Azul, who are a team who have really struggled lately. Um, so there's there's a possibility that, that really they could – spring an upset because, uh, you know, the Mexican team that 
typically Mexican teams are, are really dominant, but MLS teams can beat them at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, this looks like an opportunity for LAFC, but we'll have to see if they can pull it together and if, uh, you know, nobody gets COVID or anything in the meantime, of course. Um, and, you know, if they can uh, advance, then they'll have another game to play this week. And um, I think, you know, having a possibility of, of really making a, a deeper run or who knows, even possibly making it to the final or, or winning uh, Champions League, that would that would yeah. really turn the, the <laughs> rounds on the season around. And I think uh, people would be pretty stoked about it. But uh, we'll have to see when all the, the dust settles. But MLS terms, it was it was a mixed bag for LAFC and and I think mostly disappointing for them by yeah. their high standards. Yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a mixed. It could be a mixed result depending on a mixed season depending on on how the Concacaf Champions League plays out for them. Um, real quick before we move on to LA Galaxy, um, Bob Bradley is their manager. Um, he's he's a very popular figure amongst American soccer fans uh how's he been handling the uh the covid season i guess like i just feel for these great managers with great ideas that were kind of disrupted this season um and so yeah well how how is how has he been managing the team uh through this challenging time yeah it's been interesting um i think i guess like matias almeida you know bob bradley is really uh married to a particular style of play and even at times when it it didn't look like um, maybe the most prudent strategy to continue playing in a certain way, you know, he was really committed to it. And I think on some level, you have to give him some credit because what he did was he brought in new players and, and some of them really performed. And I think he, he got some uh, good results out of people that you wouldn't necessarily expect um, as a result. So you know, that's all good. Um, I think on a, on a broader level, I think um, most of the managers were pretty, including Bob, were pretty weary by, you know, the, the fixture congestion. And, and to put it into some context, I think, you know, the, the USL championship, there was definitely some fixture congestion, but MLS played longer and mm-hmm. they played more midweek to weekend games. Like Sac Republic, I think, had a pretty decent schedule under the circumstances. They didn't have a ton of uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday games, um, you know, relatively speaking. And like all of the MLS teams basically played like that for four months. So it was, it was pretty, um, pretty wearying, I think for everyone and, and the managers included. And there were a few times when Bob would like literally shrug his shoulders and be like, uh, you know, I don't know. What do you want me to say? We're just trying to get through, uh, get through these games. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also think that he, He's uh, shown a lot of humanity and, and um, compassion for people who are struggling this year as well and, and trying to reach out to fans um, with, you know, positive words and things like that, which, you know, in a, in a time when we can't get together at the stadiums, uh, I think is, is useful and, and something that um, provides a little bit of, of comfort in, in a tough year. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, yeah, LAFC is definitely a club that, um, you know, I'm still excited about going into 2021. Uh, I can't necessarily say the same for LA Galaxy. Do you share that opinion? Uh, do you have, is there reason to hope for LA Galaxy fans? Or Yeah, they seem to be kind of, to me, an outsider. They look like kind of a disaster right now. 
Yeah, yeah. the Galaxy had a terrible season. Um, yeah. You know, I think if, if we're talking about LAFC, you know, struggling under their own weighty expectations, I mean, the Galaxy had just a pure failure of a season. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely had enough talent to to make the playoffs and they missed. Um, it, it was just a, a really rough season. Uh, Guillermo Barroscaloto, the Argentine who uh, won an MLS Cup with Columbus and as a player and MLS MVP as a player, uh, he just really wasn't up to it. Um, as manager in MLS, uh, his, his tactics really weren't good. He didn't rotate his lineups at all. Uh, it was, it was just, you know, nothing went right. Um, Chicharito struggled all season. He was the big, uh, big name player and he's a very good player, but, uh, Mm -hmm. trying to follow up from Zlatan Ibrahimovic, he, he fell flat on his face and, the a lot of the fan base wants to get rid of him already, which I think is is pretty premature. Yeah. Um, and their their bright spot on the season was uh, Christian Pavone, an Argentine who was on loan from Boca Juniors again this year. He scored ten goals, and uh, I think for the most part, mo- pretty much all the good stuff happened through him uh, yeah. this year. And and the scary thing that you, you ask about moving forward is uh, the Galaxy have to figure out if they're going to. Um, purchase this contract or if they're going to let him walk. And if they purchase this contract, they're going to have to pay a, a lot of money, um, yeah. a, a really big transfer fee. So they're kind of over a barrel. It's it's like if they want to keep their best player around, they need to pay. And if they can't do that, then they need to basically start over again. And, and that's going to be a hard sell. Yeah. Uh, Loto was fired with a few weeks ago in the season and, and they're now looking for a manager. And I think one of the things I, I think with uh, this team is if they get a, a, a good manager, I think they could probably turn things around to an extent in pretty short order. Uh, mm-hmm. Their defense still is in rough shape and I, and they're bringing back most of their roster, which I think is pretty puzzling, <laughs> um, it, you know, in particular in defense, but they had identified uh, defense as something they wanted to upgrade in anyway. And then I think the uh, shutdown and the, disruption of the transfer windows like hurt them really badly because they couldn't bring in a new center back. Uh, they never addressed that. So hopefully they address it this off season. Um, if they can get a, a, a good center back to kind of anchor things in the back and, and they can have a competent manager who actually can, you know, play them the right way. Um, you know, have, have a good style, I think for, for this league. And of course, if they get Pavone or if they don't get Pavone, if they bring in somebody who is as good, which is going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they can, they can rebound in, in pretty short order, maybe not be a, a contender, um, you know, in 2021, but I don't actually think they need to make too many tweaks to their, uh, to much of their lineup um, and see an improvement. Like I actually think that they, they have a lot of the pieces they just need to to have somebody who can, uh, you know, do a good job as far as leading them and 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 giving them the the style of play to actually carry it out and, and be successful. And and of course, if Chicharito can actually start scoring goals, then um, that'll help a lot too. Definitely. Uh, do you think so? You mentioned Chicharito and and Slatan Ibrahimovic before him. Do you think the club might move away from their uh, I don't know if you call it a habit or their tradition of like signing big players that might be a little bit past their prime uh, and, and invest more in like younger players. Like Chris, Christian Pavone is, is relatively young, right? He's uh, 
late early twenties. Um, do you do you hear rumors or, or rumblings around the organization about changing that, um, not signing these these older guys, or, or is that kind of part of of what makes Alley Galaxy who they are, uh, getting these big names in? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think to an extent that is kind of part of their brand, and and you know they're known for having the biggest stars, but like you said, I mean, you know, Zlatan was really good for the Galaxy, but yeah. after the team was terrible. So, yeah. you know, it, it sort of was a, a jigsaw where you just plopped a, a, a mismatched piece on top of the pile and, and you know, hoped for the best. And um, I don't know if that's the way to build a winner. Um, but a lot of their other big name signings have, have struggled or, or just been outright bad. Um, so their track record is, is getting poorer. And one of the things that... Um, the front office mentioned when we talked to him at the end of the season was, yeah, we understand that we're, um, you know, the MLS is changing a lot. Um, you know, it's changed a lot in the last five to 10 years, which to me, I think was a, a pretty implicit um, acknowledgement that they are not at the level, uh, you know, the, the league is passing them by. And so maybe some of those old strategies that they've been uh, relying upon, like, like signing the biggest stars, um, really isn't paying off for them anymore and, and they're not getting uh, what they need out of it. And so I don't know if that means in the future they're going to opt for more Christian Pavones because if you have players like that, um, it's hard to find the right price point um, to get a player like that in MLS, right? Like you usually have to get somebody who's very young and, and therefore uh, pretty unproven um, or, you know, pick somebody up on a free. And if you're truly a valuable player, there's not going to be too many of them on freeze, right? Like teams aren't stupid. Yeah. They're going to sell <laughs> sell a player on if, if he's somebody who's um, worth it. So, yeah. it, you know, that's going to, it's not just going to be something like, oh, we'll just change our profile to signing 24 year olds. Like you have to, you have to do your homework if you're going to sign 24 year olds. And um, that's going to be a different kind of skill set to, to do. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I think they're kind of at a precipice at this point, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out for them as far as uh, hiring a new head coach and then the approaches they take moving forward with the roster. Definitely. Definitely. Well, that, that rounds out the uh, other MLS clubs that uh, occupy the state of California. Real quick, you mentioned um, you are still doing some work with Orange County and LA Galaxy 2. Um, have you... I just out of general curiosity, have you uh, worked at all on the on the San Diego Loyal, um, or uh, do you have any thoughts on them as a as an organization right now? Well, I think uh, San Diego. I, I didn't cover them on a regular basis this year, but they obviously played the teams that I covered quite a bit, so I saw yeah. I saw them quite a bit. Um, and then you know they had one of the biggest stories of the year with back to back weeks where they had a player racially abused, and then they had a player. Um, uh, given a, a homophobic slur who was the player was gay and yeah. um, having to deal with that uh, two weeks in a row is uh, pretty incredible first of all yeah. and then um, their response and and basically they uh, gave up a playoff spot um, to to do the right thing and and to you know walk off a game and and refuse to play because they were dealing with this kind of abuse that has no place in the sport. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's remarkable. Um, honestly, coming into the season, I didn't really expect anything like that 
I don't think anybody does, but mm -hmm. I also think that, you know, heading into the season, if I'm being honest, I, I didn't really have a lot of, uh, you know, big thoughts about um, whether or not Landon Donovan would be a very good coach. You know, I, I thought that this is his first job and, and he has an ownership stake in the team. And I thought that was kind of a recipe for disaster. Um, but, you know, I'll admit that um, regardless of the results and the results turned out to be pretty good. Um, I think he was the perfect person to lead this team. You know, I think yeah. any other coach would have said, oh, we'll deal with it later. Or let's keep playing or, oh, I'm so mad. I'm going to tell everyone after the game. And, and yeah. the one who said, no, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to stop playing because we don't deserve to be treated like this. And if that means that we're not going to make the playoffs, then that's totally fine with us. You know, we need to make a stand. And um, in that respect, I think it was, it was a fantastic uh, appointment. And I think he, he did a really great job. And um, so that, that was pretty cool, um, you know, under trying circumstances to see a team rise to the occasion. And uh, it's going to be interesting for 2021 because they seem to be uh, loading up with, with some good players. So I think they have a, a big uh, budget and they seem like they want to compete with the likes of Phoenix rising and, and Sacramento Republic, as far as being kind of powerhouses, in the Western conference teams that can maybe spend a little bit more money and, and sign more experienced players um, than most of the other teams. Uh, and if that's the case, then it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how it, how it shakes out on the field next year. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree both with uh, your, the off the field um, things that are going on and, and uh, then the players are signing this season. It, it's a bit frightening as a Sacramento fan. Um, but yeah, thanks for sharing your thoughts on on the loyal. Uh, so let's get real quick into some Sacramento related uh, topics. Um, so you've been writing a series of postmortems for I, I think they, it's called the postmortem series for players that were with Sacramento Republic in 2020, um, giving a, an analysis of of each player's season this far. Uh, you just wrote a piece, put and published it this morning on Villian Bijev about kind of the mixed bag that his season was with, you know, oh, some, some good, um, some goods and bad things that, that happened with him. Um, but one player that you haven't written about yet that I'm interested to hear uh, your thoughts on is Drew Skundrick. I was a little surprised that he did not come back um, for the 2021 season. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have any, any thoughts on, on Drew um, in, in that, decision and maybe just on his on his season as a whole as well yeah I think he had a really good season for Sac Republic I think he was one of the best players um and so losing him is gonna hurt um he, he's a player and it's you know I'll say up front obviously I I don't work in a front office I have no idea you know how they evaluate talent but yeah for my money if you're looking at players who you think could you know maybe deserves a look at MLS I think Drew definitely does. I hope he gets a look in, in an MLS team and uh, has the chance to to show what he can do because I think he could play on the MLS level pretty easily. Um, you know, I think he's somebody who is who is not playing at the right level uh, when he was a Sacramento Republic. I think he's a really good player, and uh, you know, no disrespect to Sacramento, but yeah, you know, I, I think he really deserves to get a look uh, at a higher level. Um, I think, you know, from my understanding, Drew asked to not come back. So I think Sacramento probably would have brought him back, um, mm -hmm. you know, if they could 
figure out the money, but he wanted to move on. Um, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine it's related to his personal life. Uh, his wife plays on the other side of the country. Um, so he will likely, you know, latch onto a, a East coast team. Um, you know, again, hopefully it's an MLS, but if not, um, I, I think he'll, he'll find a, a suitor in the USL championship, uh, pretty easily. Um, so yeah, so I think, I think in that case, it's one of those situations where it's, it's a matter of, uh, your personal life and, um, being apart from your spouse for, months and months and months. Um, they both played, uh, obviously this year, uh, in different situations. And so they weren't able to fly across the country and see each other a bunch. Um, that's gotta, that's gotta be hard. So, uh, totally understand a situation like that. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I wish him the best because I, I think he's, he's a really good midfielder, a good two-way player, uh, somebody who I think is, is still improving. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a, he's an asset I think for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some some other things that have been happening this offseason with Sacramento is some activity with uh, the academy products. So Sacramento signed uh, Rafa Juaregui to his first professional contract uh, recently. What are your thoughts on, uh, maybe based on your experience with other MLS clubs, do you think Sacramento is making the right decisions with their young players uh, right now? Uh, to get them on these pro contracts and, and, you know, hopefully start giving them meaningful US, USL competitive minutes. And uh, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on not only Rafa Waregi, but the other academy guys um, as well uh, this season and going forward? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, we saw this year was kind of the start of ramping up to, to playing more uh, young, play, really young players and academy products and, um, I expect that's going to continue in the next couple of years. You know, the team didn't say, oh, we're definitely going younger um, or we're going to start emulating an MLS two team and play a bunch of 16 year olds. But they did say that they are clearly emphasizing um, making use of their academy more moving forward and, um, you know, getting ready for MLS by doing this now. And I think it's a smart idea. You know, basically what you're doing right now is you're giving these players uh, plenty of time to, to play at a lower level so that they can get their feet wet and, and hopefully develop. And so that at least some of them can make the jump to MLS in a few years. Um, you know, a lot of teams don't get that luxury, right? Like that's kind of the point of the MLS two teams and the arrangements with other USL teams so that players can go out on loan and get um, competitive minutes. Well, if you're doing it in house, you know, all the better. Um, and I think, uh, you know, in the case of, of Rafa, he, I think he was, uh, you know, pretty solid this, this year when we did see him, we didn't see a ton of his play. He's very young. And I think it's worth noting that anytime you have, you're signing players at like 15, uh, that's very young. And so it's really hard to project. Like we could easily say, oh, he's obviously going to be amazing, but you know, players have a lot of physical growth ahead. They have a lot of, um, emotional and mental growth to do. And, you know, in the case of some, they do, and some they don't. And, uh, sometimes the teams, you know, really support the players and nourish them. And sometimes they don't. So we'll have to see how it, it develops, but I think this is a big, uh, endorsement for him in, in getting a pro deal, because I think they could have very easily, uh, done the same thing for next year. Um, 
and and they're they're signing him outright and uh yeah with with the time that he has i mean he's still let's see when when sacramento makes it to mls he'll be like 18 so he's still gonna be pretty young at that point but uh you know maybe by that time he'll have i don't know uh you know 75 games under his belt and uh you know he, he won't be really scared by the moment in mls and um that could be pretty exciting and i think you know we'll I expect we're going to see more of, of the likes of uh, Mario Panagos, who didn't play a lot either this year. Um, I think we're going to see more of him next year. Uh, and then Hayden Sargis, I, I would be surprised if he wasn't a regular starter again um, hmm. next year. So, uh, yeah, I think things are kind of progressing apace. And like I said, if, if you are signing and adding a player every year or two and they're actually making you know real contributions to your team – then you're kind of doing the academy thing right, and uh, you know it's it's working out for you. Uh, obviously, provided you get the results too. But uh, yeah, yeah. If you if you can do all that, then then you're pretty much hitting hitting the jackpot there. Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, you've given us a, a ton of your time. I just have two more questions for you. If you if you have a little bit more time, or if you need to go, feel free to to let me know. Um, do you do you have time? A little bit more time? Yes, we're good. We're good. Okay. Uh, the first question, and we can edit this out uh, if you don't have an answer, because I was going to flag it before we started recording, and I, I just came to it. Um, but I think it's a really good question. I, I hope you have an answer. If not, it's totally okay. Um, so there's been some new signings for Sacramento. They've signed an attacking midfielder in Pete Pananen, uh, Duke Lacroix, versatile midf- or, uh, defender, and then Malik Foster, like a tricky forward, winger-type guy. Um, but I was wondering if you had any names in mind from your coverage of uh, Southern California teams and maybe like fringe MLS, you know, players that aren't really getting starts or minutes or, or um, time with that club uh, that would fit well at Sacramento. Uh, just names out there that maybe would do Sacramento well and would benefit from uh, more playing time with the club. Uh, that is a good question and uh, hard to think off the top of my head. But okay. I, I that, um, one one guy who comes to mind is Alejandro Guido, who played huh. for um, well, he was on LAFC's roster, but he never played for them. Huh. And he went on loan for a short amount of time to San, San Diego Loyal. And now that I'm saying it, he may have signed with them. I'm not sure, but um, if he's not signed, I think he might be a player who who would be pretty interesting. I think he played really well at. Uh, USL championship level. He scored some goals. Um, you know, before he was with LAFC, he was in club Tijuana's, uh, organization and, um, played in the first and second tiers in Mexico. Um, so he has some experience. Um, and I think, uh, Sac Republic, they have a little bit of success in this, this vein, um, with Jaime Villarreal, you know, he was, he was, uh, LA galaxy guy and, and he came up and, and I think he, he's been really good for, for Sac Republic. I really like his game. So, um, you know, if they, if they got a guy like Guido, who's a little bit more attack minded and, um, they certainly need some more goals. I think that would be a useful one. Um, I would have said Corey Herzog, but he just, signed I know. Know. <laughs> he, was, he was probably one of the, the best, uh, free agents I think out there after Reno, uh, went out of business, but, uh, yeah. but no, he's, he's gone somewhere else. So, uh, yeah, yeah we, we can't, get, we can't get him, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's that's the the beauty and the frustrating thing of uh, 
this league is there's always guys bouncing around and it's, it's hard to know sometimes who's available and who's not. But, uh, you know, if, for most guys, there's an opportunity out there if, if you, uh, you know, hustle enough to, to reach out to all these teams, you know, some, a lot of times somebody will pick up on you. So, um, I assume that the team is, uh, busy working the phones these days, trying to find some more players to, to add for 2021. Oh yeah. No, but thank you. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Check, I'll check that guy out that was with LAFC. Who, what was his name again? Alejandro Guido. Guido. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll look him up just out of curiosity. Maybe, he, maybe the loyal didn't get him because they've been signing everyone else who's good and available this season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then my last question just for you is um, uh, relates to Mark Briggs. This has been his first season with Sacramento. Um, you know, you've, you've, uh, you've had a full season that, albeit a weird one to watch him um, work with his team. What what have been your thoughts as just a journalist covering the team, uh, personally interacting with Mark Briggs and, and just also his work uh, on the field with the team. Um, w- what has been your uh, impression of his work so far? Yeah, it's been a pretty interesting uh season um obviously mark has some success in the past uh at usl but i think he definitely shows that he's still up for the level um you know it's not like the you know because the usl championship has changed a lot too over Mm -hmm. the past decade but certainly last five years as well so it's hard sometimes to calibrate you know for coaches when they come in if they're really at a good spot or not i think he's shown that he definitely is at a good spot i think for Sac Republic, as I'm looking back at the season, at all the players' individual seasons, you know, the the overarching trend, and uh, this is no surprise to anybody who watched the team, is I think overall they had a good season, right? They only lost mm-hmm. three times total. Um, you know, they were in er- every game. They didn't get blown away ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they, they had a really solid season. Like, you really can't complain when your team barely ever loses. Having said that, they – really struggle to score. And so it's going to be interesting to see how things are tweaked, um, which players are brought in and, and who gets the starts moving forward, because I think that was a big concern for the team. And, um, you know, some of those, they, they had a few of those games where it was like a three, three shootout. Um, yeah. I think if they had had uh, somebody who was a little more capable of, of scoring consistently, they could have had, you know, a few more like five, three results instead of having to settle for a draw. Um, and so I think that's something that's going to be pretty big for them is, is to kind of figure out how they can unlock the attack and, and score. And um, it's been pretty interesting to see the players who are moving on this off season, because there's some pretty significant players who are moving on. Um, mm-hmm. So that means in turn, you know, it's, it the pressure is on to, to improve and, um, or, you know, I, th- I think it's going to be a big test for Mark to now that he's got his feet under his desk, he's got a season, in, you know, with this team under his belt. Now it's like, OK, you can bring in the players you want to bring in. Now we have to see how that turns out, you know, so it's it's going to be pretty interesting. But, um, no, it's it's been it's been a pretty, pretty good year. I've, I've enjoyed covering the team. And uh, I did. I, re- I remember I did ask uh, at one point this season, there was a game where. I, I mean, I'm not typically somebody who really hones in on the officiating because I just don't think it's really worthwhile to yeah. kind of waste the mental energy over it. But um, there was a, I think I, a game sorry. where – so go ahead. 
No, no, I just know exactly where you're going, and this was awesome. So please tell this story. Okay, so there was a game where um, the officiating was pretty rocky, and it was pretty apparent. I mean, even yeah. from watching the stream, it was like, oh, this is <laughs> this is rough. Um, so you know, one of the jobs, you know, as somebody covering the team, is somebody's got to ask, "What'd you think about the officiating?" And so I thought, oh, I better ask it. So I asked, you know, any thoughts on the officiating tonight, and anything that you want to share about it, and uh, Mark kind of had like, he just kept rubbing his face and he was like, Alicia, you're trying to get me fined, aren't you? <laughs> like, no, no, I'm just asking, you know, just, just want to know um, if you have anything to say. And um, he kind of long paused and then pick, you know, picked his words extremely carefully. And as far as I know, he was not fined. So um, yeah, <laughs> uh, he didn't really say anything spicy, but um, yeah, that he wanted to, but uh yeah, maybe one day I'll be able to get get the uh, full take from him. But no, I, w- I was not trying to get him fined. I was just trying to do my job. So definitely, that was a pretty funny moment, I think, in the season overall. It was. We we were all kind of thinking it, and I remember you were on like we were because it was all on Zoom, and we could like see his face, and he's just like he heard the question, and like we all were thinking it, and he just like in kind of a smiling like funny way, like thanks for at like. He wanted to be asked, but he knew he couldn't say anything about it. It, it yeah. seemed like he's like, you're, "You're trying to get me fined, Alicia," <laughs> and there was a that was a that was a good moment. Um, but yeah, that that was fun. Um, well, geez, yeah, thanks so much for uh, for sitting down and, t- and talking with us and um, sharing your thoughts on the Republic and the MLS teams and the MLS Cup final. Um, that was really fun. Um, is there so we know we can read your work on the Indomitable City Soccer site. Um, how else can can listeners uh, follow you on social media, other platforms you write for, etc.? Yeah, uh, probably the central spot you can find me is on Twitter at Soccer Musings. Um, and in addition to covering Soccer Public for Indomitable City Soccer, you can read my work on the San Jose Earthquakes at Centerline Soccer on LAFC and Orange County SC at Angels on Parade and on LA Galaxy and LA Galaxy 2 at uh, LAG Confidential. And those are all part of the SB Nation network. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll try to put um, at least your Twitter handle in the show notes as well. Fair enough. <laughs> cool. Um, well, thanks again, Alicia. That was It was a pleasure having you on the show again. Um, and we'll have to do it again soon. So bye-bye. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.